Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. On 882 6PR, inspiring stories for Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories, brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything. Uh, We continue with our series now. We are honouring some of the inductees into the WA Hall of Champions, which is happening tomorrow night. Uh, at Crown Towers, where those latest uh, inductees will be welcomed into that uh, illustrious group. Uh, And our guest in this episode is being recognised for his outstanding achievements uh, as a swimmer. Uh, It's not often we get an Olympic uh, gold medalist uh, in to have a chat, let alone someone who's won uh, multiple Olympic gold uh, and all sorts of other medals uh, from various competitions around the world. Uh, He is a WA boy born and bred. It's my great pleasure to say hello and welcome to Todd Pearson. How are you, Todd? Yeah, good, Tim. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, looking forward to it and certainly uh, looking forward to it tomorrow night. Yeah, no, it should be, uh, should be great. Uh, let's talk about the honour first. Um, being welcomed into that family, it's pretty special, right? Oh, look, uh, it's, it's humbling to a point where, you know, the inductees that are already in there, I mean, they are illustrious names and something that, um, yeah, I'm, you know, very humbled to be part of. Mm. Um, and... and it's a it's a fantastic thing that I think West Australia does recognise um, some of the sporting talent that's happened yep. over the history, um, and and to be in it is yeah, yeah yeah can't can't believe it. You've also got OAM next to your name as well, Todd. Do you do you drop that in at every opportunity? Oh, uh, <laughs> not really. Um, I mean, I, I think occasionally um, I, I get asked, and you have to do the whole formal name sort of thing, yeah. and you might put it at the end there. But um, no, I, I usually <laughs> leave that off. You would have been one of the younger people to, to get that acknowledgement, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, they gave it to us um, post-Sydney. And yeah. uh, I can actually remember actually receiving the documentation. It was about January um, 2001, and we are in Europe at the time, and you actually have to change your name, you know, by Depol, and mm. sort of it was a bit daunting thinking about, oh, I'm actually changing my name, sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and then they announced it, and we were in Europe at the time, um, swimming, and we just won some World Cups. Um, Michael Klim, myself, I remember we were over there, and to actually be part of that, and um, you know, and then they announced the OAM. Um, yeah, no, I was I was very honoured, and um, yeah. yes. While it sits at the end of the name, I uh, don't really think about it. I don't think, don't think my boys are that interested <laughs> they, in it. They don't care. <laughs> You're just the guy that, uh, you know, drives them around here and there and makes them food every now and then and yeah. puts the clothes on them in the morning. That, that's about it. Yeah. Um, although yeah. I, I, won't, nothing. I won't say make some food. I, I think my wife yeah, would right. take that. I'll clean yeah. up after. Yeah, okay. Yeah, play to your strengths. Um, let's talk about Sydney, though, because, look, there's been a lot of talk about uh, the Sydney Olympics in this year, 2020, because, obviously, the 20-year anniversary, it's a milestone, and we like to revisit these things because, you know, there are a lot of 
good memories that go with it. Um, for you, thinking back to, to the year 2000, what are the sort of really strong memories that you have? I think, um, you know, I, I'm so grateful for the opportunity that sort of presented it back then to actually yep. think back and did you were in your home Olympics and we happened to have one of the strongest teams uh, in for my sport swimming. And to, to be able to combine those two things together, at the time it was part of a process. You were going mm. through the whole thing. And now you look back and sort of see 20 years on, um, you know, how monumental that was for the actual nation. Um, you know, I watched the Cathy Freeman story oh, the other night. I was going to mention that. It it's a, brilliant, isn't it? It is. And and watching also then sort of so many different things were happening before um, Cathy doing her sensational run in 2000. And I guess it's it's about actually celebrating what a great moment was for mm. Australia itself, but also then to sort of, you know, break it down to a granular level for myself and so I was part of it. Um, I had so many memories of meeting lots of other athletes. Everyone seemed to be, it, it was had a bit of a party mode in terms mm. of when you went out in terms of the public and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then to be able to do it in front of your family, mm. um, my wife and, and parents at the time was just, yeah, you know, magic moments, coaches, etc. Yeah. Having said that, at the time, were you able to take stock of that? I mean, I imagine when you're building up to it, it, it's all about the performances and you're in a bubble, you're in your training camp, you're probably trying to keep those distractions as far away as possible. Were you able to really appreciate the the magnificence of that moment at the time or is it something that's sort of gradually come to you in the years since? I, I think it's a gradual thing that comes to you because yeah. at the time, you know, you're really driven for an mm. outcome that you sort of base your goals on and your training on and that sort of thing. And then you, you meet the goal and it's a little bit like, okay, tick that box. That's mm. the sort of thing I wanted to do and achieve and all that sort of stuff. It's as years go on, you don't realise, you know, there's there's the training aspect, but but there's a bit of luck that gets played too, to ensuring that you're in the team. And secondly, then you can enjoy the moment um, and, and and in that sort of the, the festival of the Olympics, as I call it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I look back on it and, and, and certainly with pride and that sort of thing. Uh, I think every Olympics, it reminds me I'm four years older too. It's not, I don't need birthday <laughs> candles these days. So, um, you know, uh, no, but but I'm, I'm very appreciative of um, yeah. the opportunity. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about uh, the 4x200 uh, freestyle team that you were a part of. Um, and, you know, just as you do reflect on the Sydney Olympics, some of the the superstars that you were swimming with at the time. I mean, what a time to be part of the Australian camp. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Michael Clem, Ian Thorpe in there, Bill Kirby, of course, another uh, local lad, but, you know, Grant Hackett, Daniel Kowalski, you know, some absolute freaks of the pool. Yeah, and, and do you know the great thing about the team, which I always found, um, is when you're in the swimming Australian swim team in the bubble, and I th- we were in Melbourne prior, three weeks prior to the actual Olympics. Yeah. Um, and, and you, you know, newspaper articles, the whole thing was going on. And yet, when you were actually amongst the crew, as I called it, the teammates, um, they were just normal, regular people. And we used mm. to go down, watch a movie together, you know, training, all those type of things. And that's what I thought was special about the swim team. We were very normal people, but obviously we were there to do a job come three weeks' time or at the Olympics anyway. And, you know... You would always eat together, you'd enjoy, you'd go shopping together if you had a bit of time and that sort of thing. And 
when you actually think back on those names that you mentioned and then, you know, you look at the Susie O'Neills, the Kieran Perkins, and, you know, they're legends of the sport. Mm. And, and they were just team members. Mm. And I thought um, the way the team was able to sort of mean that whether you were the first member chosen or the 44th member chosen, everyone was important. Yep. And to me, that was something that I think Australians, when we got really, yeah. just did really well. Yeah. Um, intense rivalry between you guys and the US swim team as well. Um, uh, the famous moment, you know, yeah. with what's it, Gary Hall, Gary Hall Jr., wasn't it, who... Yeah. And, and, made and, the comment about the guitars, you know, we want to smash you guys like your guitars, of course, in the famous celebration from you guys. Um, as you reflect on that, was, was that a, that was a bad move by him, wasn't it, to wind you up? Look, I, I, I think <laughs> I think if, if we, uh, from what I understand, when Gary made that one remark, I think he'd just come off the plane or has just sort of been something where he makes one small comment, not really he thinking. He knew what he was doing. And then, <laughs> and then it got played beautifully by the Australian press. And um, and I can still remember us actually listening to the comment, you know, as it was said, and then actually focusing probably the group even a bit more, especially yeah. for the 4x100 team, yep. to sort of say, well, this is what they expect and this is, you know, what are we going to do about it? Mm. And. You know, it's it's channeling. It's it in those type of things. You actually only need the my, most minute things to activate people to a mindset to be able to do things they probably didn't think possible. Mm. So and, thank you, Gary. Well played. Yeah, thank yeah. you, Gary. Uh, <laughs> and and you know, um, the rest is history. And uh, you know, uh, for, for Australia to win that four by one, it, Michael Klim broke the world record on the opening leg. Yeah. That's how unbelievable. Mm. You know that tune up for being able to do what we did that uh, yeah. incredible stuff yeah well don't be humble here todd tell us about uh your role uh in those teams you know because as i said you've won two olympic gold medals um i mean what's it like what's it like standing up there particularly in front of a home crowd what is it like standing up there and getting a, an olympic gold medal in front of your home crowd can you put it in words for us well i actually sort of had two experiences um the 4x100, I swam in the morning and there was one spot available to go through to the final. Um, and Ash Callis ended up having the fastest time, but there was you know, bugger all time between all of us. But that was mm. how the it was set up. And so uh, whilst I swam in the morning, I wasn't able to swim at night. Now, ultimately, um, you, you are cheering so loud for your teammates, you're part of it and that. But in the end, you still want to be part of the final, as I call it. Yeah. Um, and so I got to feel that and then also then come back to actually the um, four by two where we there was two spots available and we were able to progress, Bill Kirby and myself, which against um, Daniel Kowalski, who was obviously a well-renowned swimmer um, you know, in 1996, he was silver medalist at 1500. And then Grant Hackett, who was actually the world record holder in the 200 the year before. Yeah. And we were able to pro progress into the final with... Um, obviously, uh, Michael and Ian. And, you know, so I had two different experiences, but uh, there's nothing like standing on the yeah. dais at the end. Yeah. And, and records tumbling at the same time, you know, it was just a I, an incredible performance. Yeah. And, you know, it's stuff that you were yeah. uh, able to look up to the 17,000 crowd and sort of see people that you knew mm. and, and celebrate the moment. Uh, and Fatso the Wombat was with us, if you remember. So, yeah, no, we uh, certainly enjoyed it. Yeah. When you're, when you're standing up there, though, and you've got your medal and the anthem's playing, though, like, what are you actually thinking about in that moment? 
Actually, Tim, I probably haven't thought of it. Uh, I, I, I do remember just, um, you know, one, I wanted to get the words right at the end. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to have that problem. Um, Did you learn the second verse before uh, yeah, you No, the, the, luckily they didn't play the second <laughs> verse because I might have had a bit of trouble. But um, uh, I, I, you're just looking around. You can't believe that this is you on yeah. top of that dice at the time. Um, and then you're walking around for the rest of the um, to, to uh, the, to finish the whole presentation, obviously uh, there's drug um, people there ready to uh, take take samples and all that sort of stuff. So they they pretty much put a dampener on the night when you know you've got to go <laughs> yeah. give a sample sort of thing. But um, uh, look, I I just remember looking in the crowd and and it's the adulation, it's the the emotion on people's faces that you actually see and and you are part of mm. um, them enjoying such a spectacular night because Susie had won also that night. Yeah. Um, we were. Yeah, really, really fortunate. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, I think back to I can't remember it I was going to say, is it a blur now as you reflect? To a degree it is. Yeah. Um, there's certain parts you remember. Uh, I wish I could remember more. Yeah. Um, but one of the best moments for me was um, uh, Bill and myself were able to go over to a tent and uh, the security sort of took us over there and we were able to meet um, my wife or girlfriend at the time and um, – and, and family and and just to be able to just mm. have a moment with them because mm. um, it's and, it's, a, it's a hell of an effort on their part too isn't absolutely it? you know uh, Elisa and, and mum dad and sister was there and just able to actually see how much they were enjoying it yeah um, I think you know and Bill had his family there mm. and, and for us to you know West Australians sort of uh, both moved to Canberra in 98 um, and then to be able to celebrate with our families to sort of say this is part of the reason why we moved. Um, you know, we, we talk about that we'd sort of had the cake baked over in Perth but we needed the icing and the cherry on top. Well, mm. this was this was some of the sacrifices made yep. um, but they were part of it and that yeah. was um, something. It was for them too. Yeah, exactly. Yep. We need to take a break, Todd. When we come back, I want to get you to talk us through all the, the years, the training, the torture, the torment that got you to that uh, uh, standing on the on the, on the the dice, you know, with the Olympic gold medal draped around your neck because I'm sure that's uh, quite a, a journey in itself. This is Inspiring Stories. Todd Pearson is our special guest. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR. Brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, we are meeting another of the inductees into the WA Hall of Champions, which is happening tomorrow night at Crown. And I speak of Todd Pearson, champion swimmer. Todd Pearson, OAM, that is. Todd, let's go right back to the very beginning. You were born in Geraldton. Yep. How did that come about? I know you're not a a Jero boy as such, but you were born there. What was going on at the time? Um, it was actually, uh, my father was uh, working for um, the local BP fuel distributor, uh, Pip Mitchell, who's actually a right. great friend of ours. And um, uh, and then that sort of, uh, I think he was up there for five, six years. And um, uh, after a couple of years, he uh, um, had a um, business that he took over in um, Perth, um, a fuel station or a um, depot sort of thing. And uh, so that sort of brought us back to Perth, um, you know, my very younger years mm. uh, when I was two or so. Um, 
And yeah, no, that's how it sort of started where I was in Perth. But no, um, born born up in Geraldton. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, mum and dad, uh, well, we've been in Perth ever since bar yeah. when I was in Canberra. Uh, mum and dad, competitive, a swimmers, sporty. Uh, well, mum, mum's always, uh, mum used to actually take me probably more than dad. Um, yeah. You know, deals used to be done uh, at lunchtime and uh, <laughs> dad was right there with them. Um, but uh, no, dad was, uh, he was actually a Bunbury boy. And uh, I think he was uh, well known for his footy and um, basketball uh, in particular. Um, but mum was probably the swimmer in, in our family um, and had this unbelievable kick, actually. Um, she used to go up and down the lanes at Beattie in Park the pool, when I was trained. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Todd, clean yeah. up your room. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but uh, she... And so, yeah, from, and she used to teach uh, swimming too. So, right. um, and that was part so you of. You had a coach of, in the house. Yes, yeah, yeah. sort of. Yeah. Um, but, but mum was always, you know, you have to do your own thing and that sort of thing. So, yeah. um, no, that's where that was. When was the first time they chucked you in the water there? Uh, oh, look, I, it was, I, yes, it was young. Um, so I've suffered from asthma all my yeah. life. And um, so, you know, that was one of the uh, things was uh, uh, swimming obviously helps with lung development and that. Mm. Um, it was down the local Kareem pool. Um, the actual pool's no longer there. But um, uh, mum was, uh, she used to uh, teach down there. And then uh, I was the kid screaming the loudest, um, apparently. Um, you know, the, this is the rumours that are coming back. Uh, <laughs> I, I get told it enough. Um, and... Uh, I think um, over time, you know, just swimming lessons and that sort of thing. Um, but it was actually, um, uh, I was, I, I remember distinctly there was two lanes for public swimming. The rest was uh, lessons. And uh, I was a kid doing bombies um, <laughs> in the lane. And um, the owner of the pool who became uh, one, my first coach uh, said, uh, okay, for you to be able to stay down here, uh, you're going to have to join um, a team of four uh, for a, under sevens relay, um, you'll meet at this time at Beatty Park. You'll meet your three other teammates, and it's a state relay for the four by fifty. And I remember thinking, "Oh God, I, I, I want to." I'm pretty wanna, happy doing bombies. Yeah, though. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, and that was how I actually um, met them, and uh, we actually won the uh, state relay uh, and a gold medal. I thought, "Oh, this is not too bad," yeah. you know, as, as a good start. Um, <laughs> enjoyed it immensely. So uh, that was how it all started. That's great, and. If it wasn't for him, you might still be doing bombies. Oh, exactly, exactly. Don't, oh, mind <laughs> you, I still enjoyed that. Um, uh, and, you know, I, I guess thinking back to it, um, there was, you know, um, I, I, it was a great little squad I joined. You yeah. know, it, it had so much fun in terms of the parents got on really well. Um, we, I was living very close to that uh, the Kareem Pool and, and, you know, had great coaches. And, mm. and you can't underestimate how much coaches have in terms of influence on sort of athletes lives and that sort of thing and I was blessed that uh, yeah certainly had some really good ones uh, all the way up until my Olympic mm. career and, and and even after that how much of it uh, as a as a youngster was about all right this is a sport that I'm good at I'm gonna be the best I can or how much was it at that time still I want to do what I can to improve my asthma I think it's a, a bit of both. Um, yeah. I, I, I certainly believe that um, the asthma gave me the sort of um, reasons that I had to sort of keep persisting in that. Yeah. But um, ultimately, uh, to actually push yourself and to be driven, I, I, I sort of remember being at the back of the line in terms of the, the training lane and then sort of, you know, you get up one position, two positions, and then what about leading the lane? And then 
you know, club champs would come and you might get third and then you want to get first. And so from from you know progressive point of view, that that was the sort of thing that kept me driven. I've probably been that type of person where in the end you want to get the absolute best out of out of yourself. Um, and, and look, you know, the, obviously I had a good stroke and um, and some things that naturally um, you know gave me sort of some of the talent. But you know, in the end. Um, I think I was. It was. It was the drive to keep mm. wanting to go, to actually keep getting wanting to be better, and that sort of thing. Yeah. And as I said, yeah, but but yeah, you can only have that if you've also got the right environment around you to sort of allow you to succeed and that sort of thing. And yeah. And coaches, parents, etc., was um, a yeah, catalyst it's all for part that. Of it. Yeah. How's your asthma now? Do you still consider yourself an asthmatic? Yeah. No. Definitely still an asthmatic. Um. You know, I take a, a puffer in the morning and the night. Um. Still, and I think that's just to keep it under control. But yeah, I remember going into the two thousand and four Olympics at Athens. We had to actually, um, be properly tested for our asthma, even though I'd had all this history beforehand. Um, and you had to do a lung function testing right. sort of thing. And you actually had At to go the Olympics. off your, Well, this is just before the Olympics right. so that you could use an asthma drug over is there. It considered performance enhancing yeah. potentially. Yeah. yeah and right. so for two weeks I had to be off my asthma drugs and so that therefore you do the test to show that you need it. And I may yeah. have failed this test, which is actually what you want to do uh, yeah. miserably. But <laughs> two two weeks off the drugs at the time, I, th- I, I remember thinking, well, I don't, don't want to do that again. Yeah. I guess, you know, being lucky uh, – I've had doctors and all that help me uh, during, and I look, I don't have too many problems with it as long as I just keep taking it consistently. And, yeah, yeah, I can miss one or two puffs, but um, no, it's just part of. I call it yeah. like brushing amazing, your teeth. Isn't it? You got to do even it. at that level when you're an Olympic at the peak of your Olympic powers. You yeah. know, you felt such a difference in your lungs. I think it, I think the Being Australian the team had fifty mm. odd percent at the Olympics that were had some sort of asthmatic um, allergy or, or disease, right? as they call it. So. Yeah, it's certainly one of the sports that everyone has. You know, yeah. um, it's it's known for yeah. helping build yeah, lung absolutely. capacity. Yeah, um, didn't realise it was that high though. That's yeah, a lot. and 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 that's. Um, but you're going to have other athletes on there that don't have that because mm. um, it does inhibit you in terms of breathing. That I think Grant Hackett's lung capacity is something uh, monstrous, mm. you know, sort of thing. Um, but again, uh, look, it's it has it been a sport that I sort of continue into today, just keeping it under control and that sort mm. of thing. Yeah. Um, as a going back to when you're a, a youngster then, and you know from bombies to the under sevens real eighteen, at, at what point did it start to become like a real part of your day? You know, getting up, going training before school, after school. When, at, at what stage did it get to that point? Um, look, I, I I remember when I was eleven, indistinctly, um, the the coach, my coach at the time, Rick Turner, said, "Right, we're going to do eleven sessions a week." Yeah. Um, for 11 weeks and you're 11 years old. So get to it sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so from my point of view, that that's sort of a time I remember that you had to switch on and, and that meant mornings and night, obviously. Um, but again, it's it was a squad I was training with. That was sort of the the reason you could get through sessions because they were doing it. So we had I had to do it as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Um, uh, and, and I think at the time, you know, you, there was certainly, uh, I was swimming and, and breaking some records and that sort of thing. But, but it's, there was other kids around that were also pushing me um, because they were also breaking records. And, um, you know, you get a silver, you get a bronze, you get a fourth or fifth. And, and ultimately you wanted to get better, mm. as I call it. Um, and, and, you know, I, I still see some of those guys around. Um, and, and we still have a chat and laugh about back in the days when we were mm. just youngsters. Mm. Um, I think it was 14 when I first 
made the Australian junior team. And that was sort of a big moment for yeah. me because that meant, wow, you, you know, in Australia, you, um, you, you've been recognized to represent your country and, and there is nothing like it representing yeah. your country, you, you know, the, the anthem, the flag, that sort of thing. It does mean a lot. Um, and, and to an athlete to be able to get the chance to do that is, is certainly something that, um, I yeah. remember distinctly thinking, I would love to keep doing this yeah. uh, during my life. You have to be a bit different though, don't you? To get up just about every morning of the week, oh, jump look, into a swimming pool and swim up and back. Oh, my wife would the black say line. I'm very different. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know. I was being generous yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, look, I, I also look at it and say, um, I just got used to it. You know, just you, you think about rowers or that or gymnasts and that sort of thing. And you just, yeah, it just becomes normal. Repetitive yeah. So, motions, aren't yeah. they? But and, even, and, even still, though. You've, you've got it. You have to be a bit different. Yeah, no, you you got to be obsessive. I'd say yeah. about perfection and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, different. I certainly, uh, yeah, no, my wife will enjoy <laughs> hearing that. <laughs> and again, like just trying to tap into your your mind at the top. What, what what are you actually thinking about when you just you know when it's five in the morning or whatever ungodly hour it was, you know. It, it's it's the middle of winter. You're in a pool. You're just up and back, up and back. Like, what are you actually thinking about? Um, like nothing, trivial things. What's going through your mind? I, I think nothing would be a good answer for part of it. Um, look, I know. Again, this is, comes back to this different type comment. Um, yeah. You, you are having to think of technique, and and then you're always on the clock, so you're always then sort of worried about getting back in time before you you know pushing off again and those type of things. Um, but yeah, getting up, I, I, uh, mum and dad had a rule in our house and it mm. was, um, they would never get me up, but if I got them up, they'd always take me to swimming. So <laughs> that was the rule. And so it meant I had to have the self-discipline to set the That's alarm. And, yeah. And yeah. I think it was a great rule because mm. in the end, um, you know, dad sort of recalls, I, I, th I think three or four times, maybe he had to wake me up and he knew I wanted to go. I just had slept through the alarm. Um, and again, it's about just having that perseverance to yeah. sort of, you know, chase goals type yeah. thing. What do the sports psychologists tell you to do when you're in that, in that environment? Um, look, to just think about your technique or to look. Yeah, no, that, think about something and, else? And I think when I look back on some of the races and that sort of, especially some of the great, you mm. know, the, the races that you did well is um, it is actually simplifying the whole process. Mm. And so that, that's what they were doing. They were trying to break down, you know, what a race was and only having two or three things to think about. Mm. And, and certainly the psychologist would hone in on that and, and distinctly say, that's all I want you to concentrate on. Um, and so from, you know, you, obviously your coaches are really talking about your technique and that during training, but it was actually having... Uh, Wace was very good in terms of the amount of support they'd put around you in psychologists, mm. dietitians, yep. um, strength and conditioning, all that sort of stuff. Um, yep. they, they gave me a great head start. Yeah. One of the really fascinating moments for me watching the Freeman documentary was her recollections of walking out into the stadium and, and running the race, you know, that everyone was watching at the time, the 400 that she won, uh, you know, how it was so quiet, which sounds totally illogical because, you know, it was the exact opposite of quiet. Um, you know, for you, as you remember your standout races, you know, your gold medal uh, winning performances, can you can you remember uh, with that same sort of clarity that, that Kathy Freeman spoke about? Yeah, I think, I think so because I, I think it was just this tunnel vision of mm. what you're there to do, 
this is your moment, your opportunity, and and don't stuff it up, sort of thing. Was a bit of my <laughs> back there. And, and I, look, I I, um, I do just remember, you know, we'd head headed from the green room as we call it, um, and we're walking out, and there's no point looking up at what's around you because look, hey, it's a lane, you know, you've got your block, no one's coming yep. in to sort of take your space away, so yep. it's about time to get up and do something. <laughs> Keep it simple. Yeah, exactly. As you say. Uh, we need to take a break, Todd. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment, though. This is Inspiring Stories, uh, brought to you by Barra and O'Day. You're listening to another inspiring story, brought to you by Barra and O'Day, because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR. Brought to you by Barra and O'Day, because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, tomorrow night at Crown, uh, the next group of the uh, inductees into the WA Hall of Champions uh, will be announced. And uh, we're lucky enough to have one of those uh, new additions to that team here in the studio chatting to us in this episode of Inspiring Stories, uh, Todd Pearson. Uh, Todd, we've, we've talked a bit about some of the great company that you had uh, in that uh, Australian swimming team at the time. Can I ask you just to share a, a couple of stories, a couple of memories, things we might not know, things that went on that somehow didn't make the headlines? Surely there's something. Look, Tim, there was uh, a lot of things. I mean, the swimmers were very lucky that uh, the second week uh, we were off, uh, whilst yeah. obviously the um, a lot of athletes were still competing. The, the track and field got it all wrong, didn't they? <laughs> oh, very much so. And certainly they uh, looked at us uh, with envy, I think, I uh, um, as as we certainly partied like rock stars at the time. Yeah. Um, I, look, I, I still remember one of our uh, nameless swimmers. Uh, he, he was determined that McDonald's in the Olympic Village... Um, this is in Sydney? In Sydney. Yep. He was going to eat 100 nuggets in 100 minutes. And I... <laughs> I remember actually at the time thinking this is just going to go pear shaped, and it was like cricket. He hit eighty seven, and <laughs> unfortunately out. he was out, and it was out. So uh, I, I do remember thinking, "Oh, why would you go and put yourself in that sort of area?" And look, we 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 had actually at the time got invited to this place called News Club, and um, News Corp had sort of set up a um, distinct place where all their media guys were and. Mm. Um, and, but it was had a nightclub at the bottom. Well, it was a nightclub, you know, for, for all memories. And certainly, um, you know, I'm used to uh, you bring out the credit card and pay for everything. Well, not down there. And uh, no, so, so don't worry. Uh, we certainly enjoyed uh, very much uh, Rupert's hospitality. Um, and uh, no, look, I, I think the, the, the fortunate thing for us is, is you know, you, you let the swimmers out, you know, the second week. And certainly we're going to enjoy it and that. But there was nothing like that welcome home ceremonies and actually then going around the cities uh, of Australia and, and partying also. Yeah. You know, yeah. we did the ticket ticket tape parade and uh, then it followed by the, the official, um, you know, government sort of receptions. And then from there it was find the nightclub, let's go. So. Yeah, exactly. Where you, I'm sure, let in for free, drinks on the house, all the rest of it. I was just a follower too, just a follower. Yeah, come on, mate. Um, tell us about the famous Ian Thorpe false start moment because that was such a big deal at the time yeah so that was in 2004 before Athens yeah um, and uh, it was day one because uh, yeah. the 400s on day one and it happened and it was like 
for us as swimmers and all that sort of stuff, a bit surreal to sort of think, because we used to call him the big black panther with his um, mm. big black Adidas um, suit he had on. And when someone said it happened, and I, I sort of watched it, jeez, oh, that's going to be interesting sort of thing. Um, and then to see the outside sort of influence in terms of, you know, well, this can't happen, you know, the, but uh, Swimming Australia stuck to the rules. The mm. rules were... You, they picked the team from the finals and those results. And in the end, it was obviously Craig Stevens that was put in the hot seat at the time. Mm. Um, and Craig uh, ended up making the 1500. Um, and Craig and Ian had trained together for so many years before um, together um, down in Cronulla. Um, I, look, there was a massive pressure on both of them. And mm. in fairness to Ian, he did not put any pressure on Steve-O. But yep. Steve-O just, in the end, uh, he made the Olympic team for the 1500. You know, um, they're good good mates. And to sort of see how the outcome was derived from them making this decision with Swimming Australia, but not from, you know, I, I think even the Prime Minister at the time was weighing in on the decision. It just can't happen like that. And and for us as a swimming team, it's like, no, the rules are the rules. And that's yeah. how you got to go about it. But... The outcome is Ian got to uh, swim the four hundred, and um, what a what a delivery he made oh, back in Athens. And, phenomenal, you know. Yeah. And Steve, I still competed, and uh, you know, I, I look at it and think, um, uh, you know, it was, it was really well handled by the swimmers themselves, who who actually yeah. um, could have easily made. Steve, I could have easily chose to to go to that f- and and compete for Australia in the four hundred, and mm. um, no, he made the decision on his his own. Yeah, yeah. Um, Athens as an Olympics after the incredible high of, of Sydney 2000 and your home crowd and, and all of those things that go with, you know, representing your country in your country. Um, how did Athens compare for you? I actually loved Athens because um, yeah. I had one of those, I went to the Olympics knowing that this was going to be it. This was the final swim for me to compete for Australia and I was retiring post Athens and I was, you know, six weeks later getting married and that sort of thing. Um, and so I went in knowing of, you know, we'll, we'll swim well and then we're going to enjoy the second week again. Um, but I, I was really fortunate to retire and, and finish up with the same, um, with swimmers I'd been competing with or been on the teams with for years in Patria Thomas and Sarah Ryan. And they actually made a really, made a really special thing for us at the end where Grant Hackett had just won the 1500 and he had to act, and they made a, uh, they said, get everyone in, well, we're going to announce the retirements. And even Hackey had to bring the, the person who was following him, uh, who was his drug tester for the day. And, you know, he just won the 1500 and it was an unbelievable swim that he did. And all of us were in there and it was a real fantastic finish to my career yeah. and to think that I finished on that high and finished when I with chose another to, silver medal in the cabinet yeah too. and yeah. I, and with people that I amongst a group of swimmers who I really admired and that um uh, that's why I enjoyed Athens so much I yeah. just knew it was the end and, and I got to go off on my terms yeah. which for athletes which not everyone happen. gets to do do they yeah, ex- yeah. exactly it, in in saying that though the incredible highs that you experience um, you know, it's a big part of your life to to replace or to transition out of, isn't it? You know, the incredible highs that you would have had uh, given your successes over many years as a swimmer, to, to let go of that very suddenly, how do you cope with that? 
Yeah, look, it's an interesting one because I've heard different athletes um, cope with it in, in different ways. Mm. For myself, I, I think I was just ready for the next stage of my life. And, um, you know, I've been fortunate. I'd sort of gone and got my degree. I'd worked a bit in part-time capacity. So I knew what was coming. Mm. Uh, probably more prepared for it than maybe others out there. Um, and the highs for me um, were a celebration of the moments, the hard training and all that sort of stuff. But I just knew there was something more to come. And, you know, uh, having kids, marrying Elisa, um, you know, getting into the work life for me just felt really normal. And I probably... You were ready for it. I was ready for it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it was a good time in getting married. <laughs> Six weeks after. Well, yeah, and and we're able to have a lot, some of the swimmers come over for it, and uh, actually, even Thorpey came to my buck show, and I don't think he'd ever seen anything like that with uh, my <laughs> mate. So, uh, yeah, he, he got a uh, great impression of Perth after that. <laughs> Hasn't been back since, probably. No, probably not. <laughs> uh, we'll leave that one uh, up to your imaginations as we take another short break, uh, Todd. Uh, the mind's boggling right now. Uh, this is Inspiring Stories. Todd Pearson is our special guest. We'll be back with more very soon. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest is swimming legend Todd Pearson. Todd, are you still swimming? Yes, Tim. Or have just, you just given it away? No, look, I, I've got to keep sort of some sort of level of fitness uh, yep. in my life and, and asthma, I guess, too. Um, but uh, playing a bit of water polo, uh, we're, 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 there's a team, uh, we're probably a bunch of misfits together, but uh, we're called the Oils and off we go around in... Oils. Uh, the CD gr- grades are, and, uh, you know, a great bunch of blokes. Uh, but I, I need to stay at least a bit of swimming fit for uh, our water polo team yeah. anyway. It seems like uh, for a swimmer, you, you're very team-focused. And yet the, the sport itself, I suppose, has a um, has an association with being kind of solitary and lonely, but you seem so team-oriented. Yeah, look, I, you know, I... I just remember. Did you, did, you, did you not consider a team sport yeah, as a youngster? So. It, it could have helped, I, I guess, <laughs> uh, looking back. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't that great on uh, too many other things. So I have to stick to swimming. Um, and look, you know, now it's even great to be part of a team. Um, you know, and I, I watch my boys go around and, you know, they're in footy and water polo and everything. And, yeah. you know, they love team sports. So yeah. I, I guess the individual swimming might not be their thing, but that's mm. okay. Um, despite all of the many, many, many hours that you would have dedicated to being an Olympian, uh, you, and you, you mentioned it very quickly just before, that you managed to churn out a uni degree uh, as well, a Bachelor of Commerce, I believe. How did you how did you manage all that at the time? Well, I actually, um, I met my wife uh, at the time, girlfriend, during that, and I think I have a lot to thank her for oh, to she, uh, help me she through. She was the uh, magnet yeah, that drew she, you there, right? Yeah, no, she was the brains, and uh, <laughs> there was actually a few of us that uh, used to run off uh, her, Elisa doing the assignments, and, yeah. uh, you know, we, we would sort of bounce off her, Um and and ultimately, uh, you know, look, I, I'm. Uh, it was one of those things I'd always wanted to sort yep. of uh, do something post swimming. Yeah. Um, and it was a good, good, good start to sort of learning yep. about you know where business was going. Yeah. And so, what are you doing now? Apart, uh, from, apart from playing in the oils. Yep. Um, 
Uh, yeah. Well, it's a famous water polo team. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, we, uh, I run a business with my father. We own a company called Statewide Oil, um, as it's known in West Australia and South Australia and that. Um, then we've got a business yep. on the East Coast. Uh, so we're sort of the ExxonMobil distributors for lubricants. And uh, we've been going 35 years. Um, I've been running it for 15. And um, yeah, well, we've got some great people that work for us. Um, mm. Really proud of our team and that sort of thing. So um Enjoying that and enjoying the challenges of it. Um, you know, uh, you still every day I get into work and there's always something new that you've got to mm. look at and that sort of thing. And I love working with people. Yeah. Um, that's that's very clearly um, something I've enjoyed and uh, continue to, to to this day. And have you put the kids in the pool yet? Uh, look, the, uh, they love the it? yeah, no, the boys, uh, uh, my oldest Ari, he's, uh, he's into water polo. So he does a bit right. of swimming and, uh, he goes pretty well in water polo and I, I love watching him. Um, you know, look, I, I love anything family sort of thing. Uh, my youngest Jackson, uh, he's into every sport, loves his AFL, loves swimming, loves basketball, loves water polo. And, uh, you know, I, as I was saying to you earlier, um, my, myself and my wife, uh, we're just Uber drivers on the weekend, uh, unpaid, just taking our kids to sports. So, Common uh, story. Yeah, yeah Common no, story. exactly. Underappreciated, undervalued, overworked. Yeah, <laughs> all those things. But uh, according <laughs> to my boys, no, that's not true. And did they have any idea yet what you've done and what you've achieved? Oh, look, I think over the years, yes. Yeah, so how old, how old are they now? Uh, so Ari's 15 and Jackson's yeah, 9. Yeah, right, okay. Um, yeah, they definitely do now. And, um, you yeah, know, I'm really uh, looking forward to uh, taking them tomorrow night, um, mm. uh, along with uh, Elisa's parents, my parents, and, and my um, first swim coach, Rick mm. Turner, and my sister. So um, they're the sort of moments of why it's pretty special uh, for what, what's happening tomorrow night. Um, it's, it's actually sometimes to thank, be able to thank them yep. and say you're, you were part yep. of the moment. Yeah. Where are your medals now? I mentioned you obviously Olympic gold and Olympic silver. You've also got, uh, you know, golds from Common Games, Pan Pacific Games. Uh, you've got World Championship uh, medals. Where Have you got them handy? Are they on display? Are they tucked away and sort of not often thought of? Uh, tucked away would be the easiest way right. to describe it. Um, you know, I, I just – look, the, the medals, I guess, are just, you know, to me a byproduct of sort of – what what happened and and look I'll bring him out if people yep. want to see him and that sort of thing but um, you know I, I sort of think you know my, my world's moved on and and I don't particularly mm. sort of just want to hang him out and just sort of say that that was me and that's what I used to do and that sort of thing um, and I, and I'm pretty particular in making sure that uh, you know our kids can sort of forge their own sort of uh, yep. careers whatever it be it doesn't worry me as long yep. as they sort of be their best yeah uh, just finally I, I know you did um, you said goodbye to the sport itself, but you did spend some time with the WA Institute of Sport, uh, didn't you? did a five or so year stint there. I say that because they are one of the uh, the, the supporters of the Hall of Champions, uh, the event tomorrow night, along with the Patterson family. But five years or so uh, helping Wace, um, what did you take from that? Uh, yeah, look, I really enjoyed my time uh, for five mm. years. I only finished up uh, 30 June with Wace um, as a director. And uh, look, I... I I wanted to sort of do something to, um, you know, get back in sport and that. I think what Waste does is a terrific thing. They, yep. they provide so much and, and, you know, they're very obviously thankful for the government support and that sort of thing. Uh, and then to put on to, to tomorrow night's event is is distinct about what Waste delivers. It's it's giving, you know, future champions a chance to also see our past champions yep. too. Uh, but, yeah, Steve Lawrence and, and Neil McLean, the chair, they, they, they run a great ship. And, yep. um well, I was disappointed I had to come off. It was just sort of work family commitments. Yeah, yeah. Five years is a good stint. 
Uh, Todd, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story. It's been fascinating and enjoyable and enjoy tomorrow night. Yeah, no, I certainly will. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it should be a blast. Uh, you've been hearing the inspiring story of Todd Pearson, who will be inducted into WA's Hall of Champions at Crown tomorrow. Uh, this has been another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another WA Inspiring Story. You're listening to another Inspiring Story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.